Welcome to Pagan Gumbo Podcast. This is an ongoing discussion of the philosophical and practical perspectives on nature-based spirituality. We will be exploring both the ancient and modern perspectives and how we conceptualize our place in the universe and the universe itself. This is a discussion more about the questions than any answers. It's an examination that takes place as a result of the dialogue. As always, your mileage may vary, and it is a way to look at things, not the way to look at things. Our intent is to mix up interviews and discussion and offer up a new serving about every other week. Please check us out at pagangumbo.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. If you have questions or suggested topics, send them to questions at pagangumbo.com. Uh, this week, it appears that we are going to be leaning into my bailiwick, which I is think planetary so, yeah. magic. Yay! It's uh, it's my favorite thing to talk about, so uh, there may need to be some serious editing of this show, because I tend to talk a lot about it. Oh, we'll keep you in line. Yay! So, uh, where to begin? What, what questions come to mind when you are uh, exploring the area of planetary magic, Seamus? Well, for me, it's just totally outside of the realm of things I do. Yeah. Um, so I am a total noob, other than I know you, you read your horoscope in, in the newspaper and that people tend to go, oh, that's so me. Right. I'm a Taurus. Oh, my gosh, I'm such a Aquarius or whatever, a Pisces. But beyond that, to actually use it in a magical way, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that as as neo pagans we we follow the cycle of the moon and there's certain seasons and things we do but to really dig deep into that into the 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 the, the wheel of the sky in terms of astrological magic right. i really don't i don't do that well you you really kind of nailed it right there when you said you, you follow the wheel of the year um and dig deeper into that that's that's pretty much what planetary magic does is um we look a little more specifically at the smaller sections of time that break up the wheel of that year and get more specific about what we can observe from the earthly perspective um, and what appears to be happening in the sky from that earthly perspective. Um, Horoscopes, that brings up a really great point about astrology in general and planetary magic in general, and that is 
most of what is known out there about astrology is pretty misleading. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that it's wrong. You know, the the back page of Cosmopolitan magazine is not wrong necessarily, um, but it is a different practice from okay. from what we're doing. So, doing kind of a character sketch of a person based on the the period of time that what they were born in is you know that's entertainment okay um a more in-depth practice of astrology would take a look at human potentials and where different aspects of the of the personality can be strengthened or maybe uh diminished if needed you know if there are aspects of the character that kind of impede one's progress in in various ways in the life you know why does my career go this way and not that way? Why do my romantic relationships go this way and not that way? What can I do about that? That's kind of more the realm of, of the, the astrology that I would practice and that um, more evolutionary astrologers like Stephen Forrest would practice. Planetary magicians, however, um, take what's going on in the sky now as opposed to what was going on in the sky at the moment of a person's birth. Gotcha. And use that to determine the best possible timing for a magical working and so like you mentioned the the cycle of the moon Mm -hmm. you know it absolutely stands to reason that we would do certain things during a waxing moon as opposed to a waning moon a planetary magician might take it one step further in the details and say okay waxing in what sign aspected by what planet And uh, that would give us a little bit more texture and color and and filling out the real profile of that energy that's currently available and see, all right, is that the appropriate energy to work for prosperity? Is that going to get me the kind of Mm. results I'm looking for? Or maybe there's there's a better day that we could pick for that or or a better season that we could pick for that and so on. Um, So planetary magic is, it's almost a more secular and a detail-oriented approach to looking at the wheel of the year and approaching it from a um, a, a conjurer's standpoint. If you you know we, we want to make things happen, mm-hmm. um, and there are devotional aspects of paganism that kind of aren't as prevalent in planetary magic. It's a it's a little more mathematical and a little more secular. It certainly seems like it's at the crossroads between science and magic. You know, that's that's a good point. Um, and I love to think about it that way. I also am really wary of letting it get into kind of a pseudoscience conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, it is a 4,000-year-old science. And it, it does cross cultures. And it has been going on for longer than than any of of us uh have been around and and longer than many of the so-called hard sciences or clinical sciences Mm -hmm. have been around that doesn't necessarily make it more legitimate but i would argue that it makes it more legitimate than the layperson would give it credit for um that's fair yeah yeah and just based on my personal experience it's so functional it's just a very effective and precise method of magic. You know, if I want something specific to happen, I can look at a couple of dates and look at the planetary influences on those dates and find out when I really want to fire off that that energy ball and how to do it and to design a ritual around that that really includes all of the all of the characters, so to speak, or planets that are in play. And the results that I get are, are 
yeah, I got to tell you, they, they're really remarkable. They they kind of light up. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems to me that it's um, for lack of a better way of describing it in my head, it's a high magic, meaning that this would be some. You know, I see the the uh, the Harry Potter old wizard <laughs> with the dusty book and and the telescope looking out at the night sky yeah. and, and figuring out the mathematics to do something. Yeah, but I also think that the uh, Appalachian farmer who yeah. told you, you know, wait 60 days after Groundhog's Day to do X. Right. Was probably tapping into that same thing. Yes. Just in a, a very different way. And, and maybe not even acknowledging that it was, you know, astrologically um, had anything to do with that. Right. But it did. Right. And it, and it does. Well, it, I think that that, that farmer is um, much closer to the mark of what we do in planetary magic than, than one might realize. I mean, it's a very nice marriage of both high magic and low magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some academia to it. And, you know, you, you have to learn how to read the symbols and you have to learn how to read an ephemeris or at mm-hmm. least a... Llewellyn's planetary date book for 2017, you know, and that's not easy. That Um, that seems like a perfect companion to the uh, old farmer's almanac. It is. It is a perfect companion to it. I'm so glad that you that you saw that connection because, yeah, you can find out the the perfect day to do something. But now what? Right. What do you do? Well, see what's in your cabinet. <laughs> you know, see what's in your in your kid's toy box or or in the art supply mm-hmm. you know closet if you happen to be lucky enough to have one. Funnily enough, um one of my favorite spells ever was when a package was lost and it was for my business. You know, I, I had shipped a, a package of product to a really good customer and it was an expensive package. We had insured it and everything, but of course it went got lost in the mail. And um so that's Mercury's department. Mercury is is uh, who we turn to when we're looking to correct matters of commerce, computing, communication, and uh, computation. And uh, so I went and found this absolutely gaudy, sparkly, iridescent orange poster paper. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was just perfect for, for Mercury because he... Uh, tends to really resonate with the frequency of bright colors, iridescent mm. colors, multicolors, you know, that that high energy, almost electrical sure. uh, vibe that's conjured by by that combination of colors and the brightness of it. Um, and I, I kid you not, all I did was sit on my bed and, and prop up that ugly poster paper in front of me and stare at it and really will this package to get where it was supposed to go and uh you know after several days of arguing with the post office on my end and on the customer's end it finally seemed to wriggle its way free out of the back corner of some post office Mm. somewhere and it got where it was supposed to go unharmed (laughs) unbelievable but that's the kind of thing where yeah there's some math and some research that goes into finding out how to contact that particular planet and what the optimum timing would be um, but then you really shift gears and, and sometimes just go into a low magic mm. where you, you grab what you got and you hook into that energy and you try to fire it off as best you can. There are more academic ways to do it, more high magic ways to do it, like uh, planetary squares are, are real popular. Um, there are even uh, angelic intelligences that are associated with planetary energies. 
and uh, the tree of life if you're if you're familiar with kabbalah there is a really convenient little spot on every single mm-hmm. part of the tree of life that matches up very perfectly with with a planet even the planets that we discovered past saturn once we had the technology to, to find out that they were there um so these things all sort of tie in and that's one of the reasons why i think planetary magic tends to be an excellent extra support system for people who already practice other traditions of magic mm-hmm. it just sort of slides into other traditions really easily and and adds a layer of um a set of tools a new set of tools to to access energy and to to fire it off in a way that's that's very effective you mentioned Mercury, so I have to ask. Yes. You know, everybody I know yeah. has such a problem with Mercury. Is it in retrograde? Is it not in retrograde? Right. And I have this philosophy that we've, you know, we've given it so much more power than it deserves. Yeah. And, and you know, at, at maybe at the, the expense of <clears throat> other planets going in and out of retrograde. Right. <clears throat> That's a really good point. And I just wonder if it's just, you know, it's just become the convenient excuse, you know, the devil made me do it. Well, Mercury's in retrograde. Of course things are going to go bad or, you know, but. Okay, I but, did that stupid thing because Mercury was in right, retrograde. Right, right. It's well, not my fault. It's, right. It's the sky. Maybe, maybe don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't be a dick. But, maybe write stuff but, down. But obviously there is some truth to all this or yeah. it wouldn't have perpetuated yeah. and, and percolated to this. So. Right. What does that give, you know, for somebody who doesn't do anything, what what does that mean? Retrograde and out of retrograde? and It means that the retrograde itself is an optical illusion that is created by the uh, relative movement of Mercury um, to Earth. Or any planet. Well... To no. Earth specifically, because we only... But I mean other planets, like Jupiter in retrograde would be in yeah. relationship to Earth. In, yes, exactly. Okay, so it's not You're just exactly Mercury, right. but any of the... Yeah. Okay. Any of the planets can retrograde except for the Sun and the Moon. We refer to them as planets when we're doing planetary okay. magic. Uh, because the word planet is derived from uh, wanderer. And so even the Sun and the Moon look like they're moving from our perspective. Right. We know that that is not what's actually happening. But... From the Earth's perspective, we see these objects travel across our sky. Um, and when Mercury appears to slow down, stop, and then go backwards, it's the same as when you're driving on the freeway next to another car and you know that you're both going forward. Mm-hmm. But depending on, on the speed and where you are in the lanes and how those lanes might curve and what what is beyond that car... it appears from the driver's side window or from the passenger side window that one or more of those cars is going backwards relative to you Mm. that's all the that a a retrograde actually is planets in our solar system at least do not in fact stop and and travel backwards and then stop and travel forwards but from from the geocentric perspective it does very much appear that they do okay mercury is such a pain in the ass because he does it three times a year for three weeks at a time so he definitely uh, appears to go backwards more often than any other planet. I assume that's the speed of the rotation around the sun that, that creates the yeah, I mean, the, yeah the fact that he does it three times is because he's just... Uh, fast. Right. Yeah, yeah, super he's fast. Just, okay. um, going around the sun faster than any other planet. And also, um, because I think our culture is mercurial to a degree mm. that it makes such a big difference when those energies are less available. Okay. You know, so let's say Mercury is in retrograde and uh, your car breaks down or your phone 
punks out or Mm -hmm. your computer dies or um, your credit card company hits you with a a fee that you weren't expecting. It's all commerce, computing, communication, and commuting. And these are all things that we as, as contemporary Western members of society are so dependent on. So dependent on them. So dependent on them. So that's one of the reasons why planetary magicians might see a Mercury retrograde coming up and say, oh, all right, I'm going to get my tires rotated. I'm going to back up all my files. I'm going to make sure that my phone battery is good to go. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm going to have as few problems with this as possible. But from a more philosophical and, and one might say magical perspective, this is also about slowing the hell down. Mm. This is also about having some silence in one's life and having some time to rest and to take that intellectual and communicative function that is always on and always rushing and deliberately give it that time to be at rest and and be a little more at peace so that we are not so um, frenetic Mm. in everything that we do. Um, so one might might argue that it's purposeful, you know, that these retrogrades are intended to help us grow our roots inward as opposed to just shooting out more and more leaves outward. You know, we're supposed to pull the energy in towards ourselves sometimes rather than just go, 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 do, do, do. Um, so anyway, that's the long-winded version of okay. <laughs> Mercury retrogrades are a pain in the butt because... When we were prepping for the show, we were talking about different things and you were you were saying that, that like... Uh constellations are not where they used to be yeah but we're still using that area of the sky or where they used to be is, uh-huh. is that is that right yeah that's totally right so um there's something called the procession of the equinoxes and the short explanation is four thousand years ago when the signs were named mm-hmm. they were named for the constellations that occupied about the same part of visible sky during that part of the year. Again, we're back to the wheel of the year Mm -hmm. and the seasons, because that's what this is really about. It's about chunks of seasons. So instead of having, um, you know, Capricorn where it was 4,000 years ago, the, the constellation Capricorn has moved on. And so now from the Earth's perspective, the chunk of sky that contains the sun from you know, late December to late January um, is still called Capricorn mm-hmm. because we still look at that division of sky and the location of the sun in that time of the year as Capricorn season. But no, the, the constellation has moved on. It's it's further down the line now. It's, it's it progressed, if you will. It just boggles my mind that we wouldn't just turn with it. Well, that's because astrology is more about seasons that we experience on earth than it is about the stars in the sky. Um, There are, you know, uses of fixed stars in astrology. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a different thing. Okay. Um, But what we're actually doing when we're practicing astrology is chopping up that wheel of the year into smaller, finer bits. And, um, we're almost redefining the months would be a, a, a more accurate way to look at it. So instead of having January 1st to January 30th or 31st, how many days are in January 31st? Um, we're counting that month from the 20th to the, around the 20th. Mm-hmm. 
And we do that with every single astrological sign. Right. And if you notice, the astrological signs tend to change between the 19th and 21st of right. every month. Um, so it's really just a different way of counting months. I, I guess I would argue that, at least in Columbus, Ohio, if mm-hmm. you look at the patterns of uh, the months over the last several years, uh, mm-hmm. they're not where they used to be either. That's you mean why weather-wise? We, weather-wise yeah. and seasonal-wise. Yeah. So it would, it, would, it, it would be an interesting concept to see where they would be if if it lined up again. Yeah, I think that that is... Um, because, you know, we're now having, you know, uh, April showers bring May flowers, except now we're having May flowers and, you know, or May showers bringing June flowers. That's and, an excellent point. And, you know, we don't have December snow anymore. We have, you know, January and February snow. And it's yeah. just, just an interesting thing. And just from somebody that's totally... Uh, new at all this Uh it's just an observation i make it's it's a really astute observation and i think it's worth digging into a little bit that's something that i would bring up at one of my super nerdy you know astro conferences or something and be like hey guys what are we going to do about the weather does that does that apply does that change the way that we approach astrology i think it it's a valid question it's a very valid question because that does kind of paint a different energetic picture of, of what we're experiencing on earth and what's growing and what's not growing and all of it makes sense. So if you had to give an elevator speech, uh-huh. now's your time because we're <laughs> running out of time. So what's the one, you know, like well, the one thing that people should know and the one misconception everyone has when you talk about this? One thing everybody should know, um, that, the same way that you would only ask your boss for a raise at the best possible moment, you know, not when mm-hmm. they're in the bathroom and not when they're one foot out the door heading out for the weekend. Um, that's a really good time to hit up the, the the best possible moment to hit up each of the planets is when they are well disposed. Finding out where they're well disposed, that's where, you know, an astrologer comes in, a planetary it's magician. literally a in. map and a compass. It really is. It really is. And and it, it's simple to read, but it's a language to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's the high magic part of it. Um, that being said, once you get a handle on what's where and, and good opportunities for grabbing onto certain celestial energies, it is such an effective magical practice and it's such a simple one. Um Quick example, today, uh, at the time of this, the recording of this podcast anyway, it will be released later, um, we have a full moon in Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. That moon is ruled, by virtue of being in Sagittarius, by Jupiter. Jupiter has stationed direct today. From a planetary magician's perspective, that is a great Jupiter day. That's mm. a really awesome day to go talk to Jupiter. That's like asking your boss for a raise when he just got back from vacation he's feeling good he got a raise himself and he just had a really great lunch (laughs) like really making sure that the timing is absolutely excellent so um i will definitely be doing some prosperity magic today um and misconceptions about planetary magic um there are probably the same misconceptions that exist about astrology and planets and signs in general and that it's pretty much just about describing people's personalities Mm. um there are personality traits that can arrive from certain astrological placements but they 
are just kind of default settings. You know, you're not painted any one particular color. Everybody's got growing to do. Everybody's got deliberate choices they can make. Everybody's got a set of proclivities and, and propensities that nature they can. Nurture, yeah, nature and nurture, totally. Yeah. Um, so uh, getting a, a handle on what, what planets are where in your chart can help with planetary magic but much more importantly it can help you learn uh, about what you can grow and what you can develop in order to make things happen in your life that are more satisfying for you yeah, that's about it okay and all the work that you do mm-hmm. uh through your company yes uh, this is how you do it yeah that's with, how I with do all it. this planetary magic uh, and intent yeah so when you make a candle you know that Juniper is stationed. Is that what you said? <laughs> Jupiter. Jupiter. <laughs> Jupiter is stationed. Right, stationed direct. And 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 that's the best time to do. A and Jupiter so candle, when you yeah. you make your incense for prosperity on this night, and you yeah. would, and then that's the stuff then that goes into your company to to sell online and right, stuff. Right. Right. So, so typically, what I would do is take um you know like today's energy and mm-hmm. do some some Jupiter work, what, what that would actually look like is I would gather a bunch, a bunch of herbs mm-hmm. and perhaps a, a couple of stones or metals that are traditionally corresponded with Jupiter um, and mix them up, grind them to a really fine powder so that we minimize the fire risk and, mm-hmm. and then uh, put them in some candles, either soy candles or beeswax candles. And uh, then I've got a big old jar of planetary magic herbs that are ready to go anytime I want them. Even after today's energy has passed, right. yeah. those energies are empowered within the herbs. The herbs are holding onto them like a talisman. Sure. Especially sure. if I've got a nice um, ametrine or even a lapis lazuli sitting in the herbs holding onto that energy and keeping them empowered. Um, then I can just make tons and tons of candles no matter what day it is because the spell's already been done and sure. the, today's energy's already been captured. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds fun. Um, and if people wanted to get that type of stuff, they would go where? Uh, Nui Cobalt Designs. That's N U I C O B A L T Designs dot com, and that's where you can find really all of our talismans, tools, and supplies for the magically minded. Awesome. Yeah. That kind of wraps it up for this edition. I'd also like to put the shout out to the Magical Druid. Please check us out online at MagicalDruid.com. We have a bunch of new stuff. By the time this airs, it'll already be on the website, including all new figure candles um, and other conjure and magic supplies. So until we meet again, walk in honor, balance, and wisdom.